Hey everybody, it's Christy Wolf, and welcome to the AdLaw Access podcast. Um, I I am not Simone Roach, so you're not hearing her lovely melodious voice today. Um, but I'm happy to be with you to talk a little bit about some environmental claims and recent enforcement from the UK's uh, advertising watchdog, the ASA. As many of you know, just as consumers or as marketers, uh, environmental benefit claims have been increasing in popularity over the last several years. And of course, in the United States, the main authority with respect to governance of these claims is the FTC's Green Guides, uh, which are now roughly a decade old and slated to be updated at some point this year. But at present, if you're looking for guidance on substantiating things like recyclable and biodegradable and compostable, we typically go to the Green Guides. When it comes to comparative claims, though, things can get a little more tricky. And I find that looking at enforcement tends to be um, really helpful. And so with that in mind, one case from across the pond caught my eye recently. This is a case involving Oatly, um, which is, of course, a popular oat-based beverage. Um, I'll admit I've tried one of their one of their drinks. I thought it was delicious. Um, and they ran some ads starting this uh, early this year in the UK, both on television and on social, that featured the environmental benefits of their product. Uh, in one particular ad, the one that's called Need Help Talking to Dad About Milk, you know, we see a young man and he comes home and he sees there's a bottle of milk in the fridge and he says, what are we here, cow's milk? Really? And there's a huge um, on-screen text that says, need help talking to dad about milk. Um, so it's kind of funny and, and positioned in a, in a way that, you know, really positions milk as sort of the, the older beverage. Um, and then small text at the bottom of the screen states, Oatly generate 73% less carbon dioxide versus milk calculated from grower to grocer to verify see oatly.com slash help dad. And there, then there are other ads and some of these other claims there are five, five ads reviewed in total by the ASA that also relate to CO2 emissions, comparing the dairy and meat industries versus all the world's planes, trains, cars, and boats, etc. And then another one that talks about more than 25% of the world's greenhouse gases are generated by the food industry and meat and dairy account for more than half of that. So a lot of really powerful comparative claims, both as to the Oatly beverage versus milk products, but but also comparing the, the meat and dairy industries to, to other industries that I think consumers are likely to associate with pollution, such as cars and trains and what have you. And the ASA took a look at, at the substantiation uh, for Oatly's advertising, which candidly looks like they had done a lot of work and a lot of um, complex work to calculate carbon emissions, uh, life cycle analyses, sought expert opinions from leading clim- a leading climate expert to really try to generate robust substantiation and then use that to for- form the substantiation for these ads. Where they run into trouble is the same place, though, that a lot of advertisers run into trouble especially when it comes to environmental benefit claims. And that was the claims that were conveyed in many instances were simply more broad than the substantiation that they had. So going back to the ad that I first talked about, need help talking to dad about milk. 
And the claim, the express claim, and this is stated in the, in the disclosure is Oatly generates 73% less carbon dioxide versus milk. It wasn't that they didn't have substantiation for a claim that Oatly generated less carbon dioxide. It's that the substantiation that they had was specific to Oatly's barista edition versus whole cream milk, right? So the, the kind of product that you would use if you were mixing with coffee, maybe making a specialty drink, it didn't apply to all Oatly beverages and it didn't apply to all milk. Um, and because the claim as conveyed in the ad wasn't limited to those two products, the ASA found it misleading. Likewise, when the ASA took a look at the life cycle analyses that they had done, there were instances in which the, they thought that um, it didn't reflect, the claim didn't reflect the limited portion of the life cycle that was captured or wasn't an apples to apples comparison when looking at the dairy and milk industry versus the transportation industries. Um, we could also, you know, take a look at the, the disclosure language there where, you know, for example, the disclosure reads, the dairy and meat industries emit more carbon dioxide than all the world's planes, trains, cars, boats, etc. combined. It's hard to argue that we have a precisely limited disclosure when you use a word like etc. in your disclosure, right? That is essentially inviting consumers to add in whatever they think might be reasonable. And when we're working on environmental claims, the name of the game is precise language tailored to the substantiation that you have and a disclosure that limits consumer interpretation of those claims. Finally, one other thing I wanted to flag that the ASA took issue with, Oatly had consulted with a climate expert who the ASA doesn't dispute is an expert in this field, but because it was one person's opinion only, um, they said that that it, it arguably wasn't competent, reliable scientific evidence as we would state it in the United States. Um, so a few things that I want to leave you with just taking, stepping back from all of this. First of all, this ASA decision is one that I think is worth a read for any company, but particularly a food or beverage company that is looking to substantiate environmental benefit claims, um, or really any company that's conducting a life cycle analysis to try to figure out what worked, what didn't, and, and where the comparative claims you know, ran into some troubles. But in terms of just really practical day-to-day takeaways, I'll, I'll leave you with these four things. One, when you're working on environmental claims, start out with knowing what is required to substantiate these claims. The FTC's green guides give you know, very helpful guidance for specific standards on certain defined claims. But from a more general perspective, this is an area where you should expect competent, reliable scientific evidence to be your standard, right? And that is evidence that experts in the field would say is enough, both in terms of quantity and quality of the evidence. Second, if you're using a life cycle assessment comparatively, look at whether or not it includes comparable portions of the life cycle for both products. This is an area, as I noted, that that the ASA took issue with, with respect to Oatly, and that I have found in the past can be really tricky for companies that are doing life cycle assessments. Did we, did we capture the full life cycle? And if we didn't, how do we adequately disclose what was not considered? And does that make any kind of comparison inherently biased? Number three, 
is, is the claim narrowly tailored to the substantiation that we have? This is true with any kind of advertising claim, but particularly the case for environmental claims where terms such as environmentally friendly um, can mean different things to different people. Finally, what are consumers likely to take away? Again, this is, this is the um, million dollar question with respect to um, environmental claims and, and the use of vague language that can mean different things to different people, both on a technical level, um, but also as to more common terms. One of the issues that the ASA pointed out with respect to Oatly was the use of terms like meat industry or dairy industry, and how had they accounted for that in their calculations versus how is a consumer likely to understand those terms? And because Oatly had used a more broad definition than the ASA thought consumers were likely to do so, they found some of those claims to be misleading. So it isn't just about thinking about the technical terms. It's really a matter of stepping back and looking at the ad and saying, okay, how would a consumer take listen to this and what would they take away from this ad? What claims would they understand are being conveyed here? In the US, that's a pretty low threshold. If 20% of consumers would understand a claim to be conveyed, that's a claim that requires substantiation. So those are four practical takeaways. Again, a decision worth reading, and it's posted on our blog, which I invite you to visit adlawaccess.com. You can see both my post about the Oatly case, which links to the decision, and a lot of other great content regarding advertising, consumer protection, and privacy issues. So I'll leave you with that. Thanks very much. Take care. 